Not everyone agreed with the vision of racial progress through militant struggles for economic independence. In the tough stages of organizing the first march on Washington to integrate the country's defense industries in 1941, for instance, Arthur W. Mitchell, then a black representative of the U.S. Congress from Chicago, called me the most dangerous Negro in America. In 1925, I, along with Milton Webster and many other brothers and sisters across the United States, undaunted and unafraid, fired by the vision of better days of economic justice, organized the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters in the sacred name of truth and righteousness against the Pullman Company's despotic company union known as the Employees' Representation Plan, which is company-organized, company-owned, and company-controlled. This was considered the first major effort to unionize the Pullman Company. In the eyes of some people, the effort to organize the Pullman Porters appeared to be too herculean. Yes, visionary. Downing Thomas's rushed forward to advise that it was impracticable, suicidal, folly, impossible. But our answer? We have organized. Yes, we have organized over 7,000 strong men in the Pullman service running on the road.
Fuss and fights and bring a good man down. 
and don't know how to treat him when he takes you on the town they say you ain't behind him and just don't understand and think that you're a woman but acting like a man I roll 
with the punches on eyes and thighs. Try to rock, cause it keeps the crowd alive. I'm not falling, I'm just calling. Well, I'm past the day, suggest y'all in. Ring around, I'm rather pump, you jump up. Play my words for verbs and get you stuck. I've been around a while, you can describe myself. Get down for the pump of rage. Can you kick your life?
Sam Cooke with uh, A Change Is Gonna Come. Um, Cooke's genius is that he's able to summarize in, in one song, in a three-minute, 10-second song, the experience of an entire people. I was born by the river, he opens, and uh, goes on from there. Sam Cooke. The subject of uh, Netflix biop biography. I'm not sure. Have to check that out. Before that, we had the Prophets of Rage with Tom Morello and Chuck D. We are the Prophets of Rage. Preceded by Nina Simone, the great Nina Simone, singing "Blues for Mama." So we already spoke about, we already had a, a little bit of a feature about A. Philip Randolph. I want to talk about some other famous labor leaders, African-American labor leaders. A. Philip Randolph, of course, Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, local connection with... Uh, C.W. Dellums, who was the vice president of the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, and uh, A.W. Nixon, one of the leaders of the Montgomery bus boycott and uh, employer of Rosa Parks, and uh, talking about Velma Hopkins now. Velma Hopkins just read this little blurb. Tobacco was king in Winston-Salem. That's Winston-Salem, North Carolina. A paternal entity in nearly everyone's life, providing schools, hospitals, parks, and of course, jobs, writes the Winston-Salem Monthly. African Americans, however, chaffed at the wage disparities between the races. Higher paying jobs were nearly impossible for blacks to obtain at R.J. Reynolds. And women were also paid less across the board. Velma Hopkins and a few others sounded a call to action in 1943, beginning a month-long strike at R.J.R. and culminating in the first and only labor union ever at that company. The courage of Hopkins is incredible when one thinks about how oppressive 
1943 was for blacks who tried to fight the system. It was 22 years before the Civil Rights Act of 1965, 11 years before the Brown versus Board of Education, 12 years before the Montgomery bus boycott, Velma Hopkins. Hattie Canty called one of the greatest strike leaders in U.S. history. Hattie Canty was a strong voice for culinary workers in Las Vegas. In 1984, she helped plan a 75-day strike in Las Vegas by Las Vegas casino workers. And in 1990, she was elected president of the Las Vegas Hotel and Culinary Workers Union Local 226. According to Wikipedia, as president, she led a number of publicized strikes, including a 1991 strike where Canty led 550 culinary workers from New Frontier Hotel and Gambling Hall in protest of unfair labor conditions. The strike was the longest labor strike in American history and lasted for six and a half years. And of course, we note Martin Luther King Jr. 1961 gave a powerful speech to the AFL-CIO convention. Our needs are identical with labor's needs, he said. Decent wages, fair working conditions, livable housing, old age security, health and welfare measures, conditions in which families can grow, have education for their children, and respect in the community. Whether it be the ultra right wing in the form of the Birch Society, of the precursors of the uh, Tea Party or the alliance which former President Eisenhower denounced, the alliance between big military and big industry or the coalition of southern Dixiecrats and northern reactionaries, whatever the form. These menaces now threaten everything decent and fair in American life. Their target is labor, liberals, and the Negro people. And we could throw in a lot of others, too. So this is the Labor 411 website. Check it out yourself. See what you think. I want to talk a little now about a, a sports figure. We don't talk a lot about sports on this show. But it's obvious that sports and labor conditions and labor concerns um, come together. Ball players have one of the best labor unions in the country, and they needed it at the time. Uh, beat about this, a whole new ball game about Marvin Miller. Anyway, Frank Robinson grew up, born in Beaumont, Texas, grew up in Oakland. Uh, Dave Zyron on Edge of Sports writes, 
First of all, let, let's get this out of the way. Robinson was one of the greatest top ten all-time ball players. The uh, only player who won the most valuable player awards in both leagues, playing for Cincinnati and then Baltimore, won the Triple Crown, home runs, runs batted in, batting average, became the first black manager in Major League Baseball history after taking over the Cleveland Indians. Through all of these recollections, it's been made clear that this man was as tough as a $3 steak <laughs> and could be ornery as anyone when there was a call for him to be the intimidator. Carried himself with a fierce dignity on the field and then knocked down the doors into the major league dugout. It can also be seen in the love and respect given by two of his legendary contemporaries, Henry Aaron and Robinson's high school basketball teammate, Bill Russell. Frank Robinson and I were more than baseball buddies, Aaron said. We were friends. Frank was a hard-nosed baseball player who did things on the field that people said could never be done. Bill Russell adds, heartbreaking news in the passing of my dear friend and McClyman's high school classmate, Frank Robinson. It was my pleasure and a great honor to have known him. Robinson called out the hypocrisy of a league that celebrates Jackie Robinson while engaging in progress best described as glacial. He said, if, Frank Robins if Jackie Robinson were alive and willing today, would the Lords of Baseball be likely to admit him to their ranks? No. He was too controversial, too honest. He'd create too many problems by speaking up and speaking out. White management doesn't like black people to speak their minds. The great Frank Robinson. All right, let's, let's take a look now at Microsoft workers. Microsoft workers, dozens of Microsoft workers have signed a letter protesting the company's $480 million contract to supply the U.S. Army with augmented reality headsets intended for use on the battlefield. Under the terms of the deal, the headsets, which place holographic images into the wearer's field of vision, would be adapted to increase lethality by enhancing the ability to detect, decide, and engage before the enemy. Microsoft was awarded the contract in November. We are a global coalition of Microsoft workers and we refuse to create technology for warfare and oppression. Bill Gates, who sort of sold to us as kind of this good guy, uh, computer genius, uh, benevolent purveyor of money for charter schools mostly, 
signed this probably very lucrative contract. Microsoft employs almost 135,000 people worldwide. The workers said, we are alarmed that Microsoft is working to provide weapons technology to the U.S. military, helping one country's government increase lethality using tools we built. We did not sign up to develop weapons, and we demand a say in how our work is used. The open letter comes days before Microsoft is expected to unveil HoloLens 2, an upgraded version of its augmented reality headset. Microsoft workers not having it. All right, before we get back to the labor beat, let's uh, play some music. Bob Marley. Here comes 
the con man coming with this con plan we won't take no pride we've got to stay alive we're gonna chase those crazy chase those Yeah. 
Since the theme of this conference um, acknowledges the 200th anniversary of the abolition of the slave trade in 1808, 
I decided to try to talk about the meaning of freedom. The conference theme emphasizes 200 years of freedom. Now, what has that freedom meant for people of African descent? What has that freedom meant for the black world? And what has been the relationship to communities that are differently racialized, but nonetheless uh, suffer under these cycles of oppression? I suppose that very few people think about the fact that the institution of the prison has claimed a place at the very core, at the very heart of black history, particularly since the abolition of slavery. It has been a constant theme in the collective lives of black people in this country. It has also been a constant theme in the collective lives of Chicanos. And it is increasingly a major aspect of the lives of people who are racially oppressed in Europe, but also in Latin America. And if one looks at the extent to which the institution of the prison is beginning to replace on the continent of Africa, institutions like educational institutions, healthcare institutions. Now, when Carter G. Woodson proposed in 1926 that a week be set aside for the celebration of Negro History Week, he was confronting a dominant culture that almost totally marginalized black accomplishments. And it was important to transmit the message that we were capable of vastly more than white supremacist society attributed to black communities. And then, of course, a half century later, the celebration was extended to the entire month. And the month of February offers us a kind of microcosm of the um, history of the black world. Uh, February is the month, as far as uh, the United States of America is concerned, when the 15th Amendment, which authorized black suffrage, um, black male suffrage, and I guess I should say parenthetically that it's very interesting, isn't it, how those debates uh, that happened in the 19th century are being replayed under contemporary conditions. Maybe we'll have a chance to talk about that before uh, we leave today. But I was talking about the month of February. The Freedmen's Aid Society was founded in February. W.E.B. Du Bois was born in February, February 23rd. 1868. And if I remember correctly, I think uh, that was the day I got out on bail. I got out of jail. (laughs) But it was also during the month of February that W.E.B. Du Bois convened the first Pan-African Congress in 1919 to urge people of African descent throughout the world to unite, not simply because they were of African descent, but to unite in order to stand up against European imperialism. 
February was also the month when SCLC, Martin Luther King's organization, was established, when the students staged sit-ins at the lunch counters in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, that was in February of 1960. We could actually do a, you know, continue to do a whole panorama of, uh, of, of, of black history by looking at what happened in the month of February. Uh, what I'd like to say now is that Black History Month seems to have become an occasion to generate profit. Look at, look at the Walmart website, Walmart, which is the largest corporation in the world, and look at how they urge you to celebrate black history by buying their products. Well, you know, I could spend the rest of the afternoon talking about Walmart. So. Because I think, uh, you know, Walmart, as the largest corporation in the world, um, it indicates the impact that global capitalism has had on our lives. And the conditions of neoliberalism under which we live and think uh, uh, mean that capitalism has insinuated itself into our very desires and our dreams and our ways of thinking about ourselves. We commodify ourselves uh, when we talk about how we're going to market ourselves, right? Uh, so keep that in mind. Um, uh, as we go back and look at um, some aspects of, of black history. And we most frequently celebrate Black History Month in, in a couple of ways, by evoking a collection of narratives about individual black people who managed to overcome the barriers created by the racism of the past, Whereas we should have a broader conception of what it means to celebrate the legacies of black history, and they, those legacies should not be confined simply to people of African descent. I mean, I'm thinking of someone like um, Yuri Koshiyama, uh, who is a Japanese-American woman who has, for the overwhelming majority of her life, and she's about 82 years old now, She's worked in the civil rights movement. She's worked to free political prisoners. She was with Malcolm X when he was assassinated. And there's a picture of her cradling Malcolm X's head in her hands as he lay dying. And we don't necessarily bring Yuri Koshiyama into our celebrations of Black History Month. Or Elizabeth Petita Martinez, who was one of the most amazing activists in the early civil rights movement. Uh, now, we celebrate individuals, but we also evoke the legislative and court victories that uh, have helped to produce a black subject that putatively enjoys equality before the law. And therefore, we rightly celebrate the abolition of the slave trade in 1808. And we also celebrate the 13th Amendment, that we think abolished slavery. <laughs> and we celebrate the Civil Rights Act of 1964, 
which uh, you know one of the candidates candidates insisted was uh, uh, the work of could only be the work of a president. Uh, the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Now, many of these legislative moments were attempts to confront the vestiges of slavery, to eradicate the vestiges of slavery. I decided, since the theme of this conference um, acknowledges the 200th anniversary of the abolition of the slave trade in 1808, I decided to try to talk about the meaning of freedom. The conference theme emphasizes 200 years of freedom. Now, what has that freedom meant for people of African descent? What has that freedom meant for the black world? And what has been the relationship to communities that are differently racialized, but nonetheless uh, suffer under these cycles of oppression? I suppose that very few people think about the fact that the institution of the prison has claimed a place at the very core, at the very heart of black history, particularly since the abolition of slavery. It has been a constant theme in the collective lives of black people in this country. It has also been a constant theme in the collective lives of Chicanos. And it is increasingly a major aspect of the lives of people who are racially oppressed in Europe, but also in Latin America. And if one looks at the extent to which the institution of the prison is beginning to replace on the continent of Africa institutions like educational institutions, healthcare institutions. Now, when Carter G. Woodson proposed in 1926 that a week be set aside for the celebration of Negro History Week, he was confronting a dominant culture that almost totally marginalized black accomplishments. And it was important to transmit the message that we were capable of vastly more than white supremacist society attributed to black communities. And then, of course, a half century later, the celebration was extended to the entire month. Uh, and the month of February offers us a kind of microcosm of the um, history of the black world. Uh, February is the month, as far as uh, the United States of America is concerned, when the 15th Amendment, which authorized black suffrage, um, black male suffrage, uh, and I guess I should say parenthetically that it's very interesting, isn't it, how those debates uh, that happened in the 19th century are being replayed under contemporary conditions. Maybe we'll have a chance to talk about that before uh, we leave today. But I was talking about the month of February, the Freedmen's Aid. Okay, that's it. We had, uh, of course, Angela Y. Davis, who just recently was awarded a citation <clears throat> uh, from 
a civil rights organization in North Carolina, and because of her uh, criticism of U.S. funding of the Israeli terrorist war on Palestinians, was denied. They took it back. But uh, there was such an uproar that uh, the organization reawarded it to her. Before that, we had Fruit of Labor, a North Carolina group of musicians and cultural workers who are dedicated to democracy in North Carolina. Their song was called War or We Ain't Ready. And uh, that was preceded by Bob Marley's We're Gonna Knock Those Crazy Bald Heads Out of Town. 11.41. Coming up on... Well, next show is uh, my buddy, Scott Walker, with uh, the Flat black plastic show. I want to say something about the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, the fourth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. 50 comics, 25 shows, five days from March 1st to March 5th. That's coming right up. That's this week. Mutiny Radio 2781 21st Street at Florida. Come on down. Mutiny Radio is a true community arts organization. And the annual comedy festival here is one of the real highlights of the underground comedy movement here in San Francisco and throughout the Bay Area. People come from all over, from all parts of the country to participate. So come on down. Be here. All right, let's play a little bit more music, and then we'll get out of here and hand you over to Scott Walker. Uh, Let's see. Okay, we are dedicating this show to Black History Month. As I said earlier, this is the sashimi approach to history. Instead of presenting the whole fish and just saying it's history... We have to cut it up. We have to cut it up into black history. We have to cut it up into women's history. We have to cut it up into white history, which passes for universal history. History happens all together. Shark has pretty teeth, dear, and he 
shows them a pearly wine. Just a jackknife has back heat, dear, and he keeps it outside. When the shark bites with his teeth, dear, scarlet billows stop the spread. Fancy gloves, though, where's my heat, dear? So there's not a trace mm, of red on the sidewalk. Sunday morning, baby, lies a body oozing light. Someone sneaking around the corner. Is there someone? Back the knife from a tugboat by the river. A cement bags drooping down. Yes, the cement's just for the weight, dear. Bet you, Mac, he's back in town. Look at you, Louis Miller. Disappeared, dear. Drawing out his cash, and Mac Heat spends like a sailor. Did our boy do something rash? Suki Tawdry, Jenny Diver, Lottie Lanyard, Sweet Lucy Brown. Oh, the line forms on the right. Now that Mackie's back in town. Take it, Satch. Louis Armstrong with Mac the Knife. Let's read one of our credos, a couple of our credos here. Can I tell you a secret? This is from Really American on Facebook. Can I tell you a secret? What's the secret? I don't even care if there are undocumented immigrants in this country. Can I tell you that secret? We've also got, with social sec- without Social Security numbers, they aren't even privy to the welfare that people claim they get. The vast majority of them are normal people trying to live a life, a better life. This whole wall, deport the illegals bullshit, is just the 1% convincing the working poor to blame a subset of the working poor for the fact that they're all poor. Instead of realizing that the reason they are all poor is due to the vast income inequality and resource price inflation in combination with wage wage stagnation. True, since 1980, our productivity has gone way up as workers. 
but our wages have been flat. All that money is being taken. Please use your brains. The existence of another poor person is not why you're poor. It's because the people who control everything refuse to increase your wages. And let's see the other one. You know, there's always somebody who says they're just not into politics. So you're just not in that into politics? Your boss is, your landlord is, your insurance company is, and every day they use their political power to keep your pay low, raise your rent, and deny you coverage. Time to get back, get into politics. Okay, well, that about does it for our show today. This is the B, a.k.a. Bill Morgan, with a labor and love show, the show where we tell you how it is. One person gets a dollar they didn't work for, Someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, where you work, you're on the menu. And never, but never, let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Labor and Love Radio where the labor meets the road. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming 
the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryan. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. burger mutiny radio thinks you'll find the best burger in san francisco at counter offer located inside bender's bar and grill counter offers menu aims to please your drunk face tater tots are served daily on tuesday nights counter offer serves specials off the taco bell menu only better you can enjoy your favorite taco bell item without the guilt counter offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit special ingredients are made from scratch daily including beans ketchup mustard habanero sauce and ranch dressing counter offer even serves vegan mac and cheese all of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF Visual and Auditory Mind Control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Welcome, Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5, Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, punk rock and schlock delivers super fun 
done karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Benders is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Benders Bar and Grill. Hi, welcome to My Limited View. I am your host, Sergio Novoa. And I'm your co-host, Vanessa Wilkins. Join us every Tuesday from 12 to 2 at mutinyradio.fm as we share stories, our personal stories. And struggles and challenges. And we'll also have guests come in and share their stories. And hopefully through all this, we can expand our view. Or your view. Yes, and there'll be plenty of dick jokes, so don't worry. It's not always going to be heavy. Yeah, I might even share black hair tips. Black hair tips, don't. <laughs> know anything about it sorry <laughs> all on my limited view yes every tuesday from 12 to 2 uh oh you can if you, you can also find us on apple Podcasts. oh yeah and google play and stitcher itunes oh you already said T that tune in radio uh stitcher you said that spotify oh my god there's just so many and overcast um yes you can also find us on social media m as in mary l as in larry p as in peter podcast mov podcast is our handle until next time, I hope you're enjoying your view. Yes. Bye. Bye. That, that kind of sucked balls. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the Black Black Classic Beauty Radio. Here it again. Beauty Radio FM. Black Black Classic.
That's right, Van Halen, not Van Hagar, because this is Millennials versus Gen X, and we are Gen Xing the fuck out of this thing. Are there any Millennials here? That's amazing. This place is filled with Millennials because we're not giving away any participation trophies at this event. Surprised you guys showed up anyway. All right. So, hey, uh, before I get too started with things, speaking of Millennials versus Gen X, Luke Perry died. Yeah, Luke Perry died. For, I think he did too much 9021 blow. Yeah, boy. Speaking of blow, guys, we're about to go to war with uh, uh, Venezuela. So we're starting to amass troops in Colombia. Uh, so cocaine's gonna get really expensive soon. So you might want to stock up or uh, buy. You know, I don't know. Stock up. That's the word of the wise. Anyway, we're here as far as I'm concerned. As as let me Gen explain this event here tonight to all you. People out there. As far as I'm concerned, this is a roast of fucking millennials. We're just gonna we're just gonna dump all over you for like a whole hour. It's gonna be great. Yeah. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. I mean, why? It see, it's fun already, right? Just thinking about it is just the anticipation. It's precious. It's great. I love crapping on you guys. The future for you guys, ha, good luck. I mean, you guys are, you, we can't depend on you guys for shit, right? It's just so obvious. I mean, you're all deathly allergic to peanut butter and bread, for starters. I mean, when Armageddon comes, I'm just going to make a couple sandwiches and fight off all your hordes <laughs> and survive to rebuild society in my image. Wait, for what? Yeah, I don't have to wait too much longer. I mean, now that they've discontinued antibacterial soap, you guys are due for a die-off once you touch dirt for the first time. <laughs> the shock to your system will be too much for you guys. I mean, how could you be allergic to bread? Bread is the thing that is, like, most closely associated with, like, civilization, right? <laughs> I mean, before bread, we were in huts. Then we had bread, and now we have civilization. I mean, we can't trust you guys with bread. How can we trust you with civilization? Straight line reasoning right there. Welcome to the collapse. I mean, you guys are so, I was recently, speaking of dirt, I was recently reminded that my generation and all the generations before me, we used to eat dirt as kids, right? It gave, it gave us grit, right? But you idiots are eating Tide Pods. What the, <laughs> completely the other way. And now you're just too weak. Speaking of weak, you guys got the Momo challenge too? Not just the Tide Pod challenge, the Momo challenge. You guys know what that is? You challenge each other to commit suicide and you do it like lemmings. You don't win the Momo challenge, you Darwin the Momo challenge. <laughs> you even got this thing, the condom challenge. You guys know about this one where you're snorting condoms? They had a condom challenge when I was growing up. The challenge was to wear a condom. <laughs> Just one thing after another, you got your stupid fucking diets. 
your stupid fucking paleo bullshit. Paleo, I'm so paleo. How come I'm not losing weight? I'm so paleo. Because you're not fucking paleo, that's why. You know what is paleo? Shivering. <laughs> Shivering's paleo. It works your core, gets those hard to reach muscles. That's why they were so ripped back in the paleo days. They were shivering all the time. You've tried your stupid diets, your stupid kombucha. God damn, someone took turnt wine and skunk beer and mixed them together. That's what kombucha is. But now that I'm drinking it, I realize it's the slurry they use for fracking. It's causing major climate change in my microbiomes, and I am producing methane. That's a science joke, in case you're wondering. So I got off of that shit, and I started eating kimchi instead. Holy shit, now that I'm eating kimchi, I gotta say, what the fuck is wrong with Koreans? How do you make cabbage worse? I eat that stuff, it makes me Kim Jong ill. Zing. <laughs> yeah, it's one thing after all with you guys. You're just too soft with everything. You're too soft with weed, too, man. 420, so played out. You can vape in the library now, guys. It's like smoking weed is not cool or hip or dangerous anymore. Nerds took over, 57 kinds of different oil. Pathetic. Who here remembers 1987? <laughs> the year America ran out of weed. You see, back then there was weed or no weed. <laughs> Those were your options. Not like which club has the special on red Congolese and who's got the, it was how much sativa is in that, me, 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 me. We used to be homo sapiens looking each other in the eye as we passed the joint around, right? We used to save the roaches and hoard them till Sunday because they were special. <laughs> you guys don't do that shit. You just cartridge, 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 la, la, la. All a bunch of fucking homo sativas and homo indicas just sucking down on your individual wrapped vape pens. <laughs> Devolving before my eyes. Walking headlong into traffic with your Pokemon. Go walk off a cliff. Nav apps. Nav app completely necessary now because you've lost your ability to find your friends in a park. It's pathetic. You guys got it too easy with pussy, too, man. I'll tell you that. When I was growing up, that shit was the nom down there, man. You were in the jungle looking out for Charlie and shit. You didn't know which way was north. The orgasm was still a myth. <laughs> the G-spot hadn't been invented yet. And the clitoris was like the Mayan city of gold, swallowed up by the jungle. We didn't have the vagina monologues or Google Maps to help us out back then. We had to figure that shit out on our own. Now it's like fucking Iraq war down there, man. Nothing but scorched earth, right? <laughs> Nothing between you and Baghdad. No mystery. 
And it's pathetic. Are there any millennials on the the bill tonight? You're all millennials? <laughs> so it's just me against all you guys. <laughs> and I'm winning. So anyway, we didn't go over who was coming up first or second, but is, is there sort of an order on the, uh, we're all uh, comfortable with the order on Facebook, cool, which means Robert, Robert Pang is coming up first to defend his generation. Give it up for Robert Pang. Oh yeah, our generation's fucked. There's no, there's no defending it, right? There's literally no defending this shit, right? Like, I, I, I was lost today because my phone died. Like, I don't know what, how the fuck I even got here. Like, what the fuck? Like, I tried to look at a, a real map. I'm just like, what is all these squiggly lines? Like, just show me where to go. Seriously, what the fuck, right? Like, my, uh, like Asian millennial is even more fucked than, like, normal millennials, right? Like, Asian millennials are just, we've been through a lot. Like, seriously, just look, just treat us better, okay? Because we've been through a lot, seriously. Like, like white people have so much options. Like, white kids have so much options, right? If they, can fu if they fuck up school, they can, like, do trade school. They can, like, do music. They can maybe do stand-up comedy, right? Like, we're Asian millennials. Like, if we fuck up school, we're just fucked, right? It's either we go to engineering school or we die in the sweatshop somewhere. Like, there's no, there's no middle ground, right? Like, seriously, like, Asian millennial, we, like, if we don't get a good job, that means we can't get a good car. That means we can't get a good house. That means we don't fuck. Like, at all. Like, have anyone here not fucked? Give it up if you're not fucked. Only me? Seriously, God damn it. Seriously, like if, you, uh, if you're wondering like if you're a Gen X or you're a millennial, just ask yourself this question, okay? What's more sexy, a 12-inch dick or a 12,000 square foot condo in downtown uh, San Francisco, right? It's just like, seriously, like, it, like for us, it's like we'd rather have the condo because a condo will solve all of our problems, right? Like just like, even if like we can't get like, the good sex, like we can still jerk off to a waterfront view, which is much better than whatever the fuck we're doing. Just like, seriously, I need a house, right? Like I fucked up my life. I know exactly when I fucked up. College, anyone to college here? Anyone to college here? We all went to college, right? Because we're the millennials, right? And we're so fucking dumb, right? Seriously, I can, I know this one guy from college who can build any kind of bridge in the world, any kind of bridge. But you know what kind of bridge he can't build? The bridge of human connection. Like that guy is never getting laid, right? Like, and the dumbest guy I know, the dumbest guy I know spent a thousand K to go to engineering school, graduated, can't find a job, and now is doing stand-up comedy on Mutiny Radio. Like what the hell? <laughs> what the hell is wrong with me? Like seriously. Like, we, we can't, we don't know how to talk to people. Like, I'm so fucking lonely right now. Like, <laughs> seriously, I'm so lonely. Like, l like I did the loneliest thing possible. Like, last New Year's Eve, I mean, uh, New Year's Eve celebration, I went to watch the fireworks in downtown alone, right? Like, that's the saddest thing ever. Like, for the whole time when I was there, when I was, like, waiting for the fireworks to start, for two hours straight, I just tried to pretend to try to find my friends, right? It's just like, <laughs> hey, where are you, man? Where are you? Yeah, Wang, Wang, are you here? Yeah, Wang, Wang, yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking, yeah, I'm at, the, I'm at the waterfront. For the two hours when I was there, I was just walking around doing that because if I sat down, people would have been like, oh, look at this piece of shit, he's here watching the fireworks alone, right? It's just like, seriously, seriously, talking to people, how do, how do people do it?
right? People are like, I don't know how to get a job at all, right? Like, it's all online job application now. And like, jo online job applications are just fucking nightmares, right? I just, like, I see this one job post, like, entry-level position. Three years experience needed. Like, three years experience. So that's like a girl who's like, oh my god, I want to date a virgin, but you need to be an anal, have a sex dungeon, and three years experience. Like, what the hell, man? Like, by the way, if you know a girl like that, call me. <laughs> I can build a great sex dungeon. There's so much duct tape at my house, I don't, I don't know what to do with it. Right, like I'm an engineer. Yeah, so th it means like I'm more socially awkward in talking to people. Like people try to give me advice when I can't find a job. They're like, Robert, if you can't find a job, you gotta network, you gotta go out there, and you gotta talk to people. Like seriously, fuck you, okay? Whoever gave that advice, fuck you, all right? I'm a millennial, I don't know how to talk to people. Like when you are out, out there drinking, partying, and having sex, I was at home, studying math, like a good boy. But no, you can't hire me because I'm socially awkward, but you can hire the douchebag who stole all my homework because he's cool. He knows how to talk to people. Like, look, I know I wanna know how drinking works, right? Like, I don't I don't know how fucking drinking works. Like you drink and some magic happens and boom, you're pregnant. Like what what is this sorcery? Somebody teach me this shit, right? Like crack, crack is amazing, right? Like, I wish I was addicted to crack, okay? Because at least Crack is so cool. Like when you're sm snorting crack, like people look up to you, like, whoa, that guy's smoking crack. You know what I'm addicted to? League of Legend. Like nobody is looking up to me because I sit in front of a dark room all day, sitting in front of a computer, just clicking a button. Like at least when you're addicted to crack, you're getting exercise, right? Like I look like I have no exercise at all. Like seriously, like like if I was on crack around me, I'll be like, <laughs> And then I'll be like, all this twitching is gonna make me lose weight. But like, I don't do that. Like, god damn it, I was, I was a cool, I was a l nerd kid. God, we're all nerd kids. All Asian kids are nerds. Just like, god damn it. Like, every Asian kid I talk to is just like engineering degrees. Like, what are you gonna do with that engineering degree? I'm gonna work in a convenience store because fuck me. Right? Seriously, seriously. Like, the fuck? Like, we all have good degrees. Like, what's, what's your degree, sir? What's your degree? Oh, okay, uh, what's your degree? <laughs> <laughs> you deserve your fate. You also deserve your fate, right? But like, I have a fucking engineering degree, I'm still doing stand-up comedy. Like, I'm making literally like 15 bucks an hour do and then like doing stand-up comedy on the side because I, because I don't know how to get a job at all. Like, seriously, like if you're wondering like what kind of engineer can't find a job, it depends on the engineering, okay? Like every other kind of, Every other kind of engineer is a hero to society, but a mining engineer, that's a Captain Planet villain, right? It's just like Tony Stark can build killer robots all day and kids look up to him. But when I want to build one coal mine, suddenly Chuck Norris appears and kicks me in the face because nature, nature, oh my God, seriously. Millennials, could you just stop with this environmental shit? Like I, I need a fucking job, okay, listen, I, I said, I sit too much on stage. Like I, I talk, I trash talk ch China too much, right? Like I can't go back to China now. If I go back to China, they'll be like, "Do you want to see the death camp?" Because you are there all the time, right? Like just, uh, like I am so fucked. Like seriously, like I, w I wish I was that kid back in the sweatshop, right? Like I wish I didn't leave China in the first place, because that kid back in the sweatshop, he is doing way better than me, right? He's like, he can make an iPhone in five seconds. Like what could I do? Linear algebra. Give it up if you know what that is, right? <laughs> Give it up if you know what linear algebra is. What is linear algebra, sir? Uh, 
That's a problem. That's a problem right there, right? What am I supposed to do? Like impress my employer with my ability to invert a matrices? Like do you even know what that means, right? Like there's nothing on my resume. Like there's nothing on my resume except this, right? Because like I don't care what you people say. This is three years of s public speaking experience, right? Like I'm not <laughs> Like do you know how hard it is for an Asian engineer to get a job? In, in this economy, like, do you know how many Asian engineers there are in the world? Like, every pile of resume, there's like just a bunch of Wangs and Pangs and like Laos, right? And then you see this Miller guy, it's like, oh, he's a white guy, I'm gonna hire him because he speaks English. Like, I don't, like, look, look, I, I'm not even doing this for some bullshit dream. No, I'm doing this co to convince white people that I speak English, which I assume <laughs> I am speaking to you or you're just laughing to not seem racist, right? Like. Like, I really don't belong in the corporate world. Like, seriously, like, you know, I actually got an engineering job for like a month, right? You know how I got fired? How did I get fired? Oh, yeah, yeah probably, why not? Why? <laughs> I wish I did that, fuck. <laughs> Dude, I, I got fired because I took a nap during a job orientation, right? Like, again, I can't even keep myself awake for one single fucking job or orientation, right? Like, it's just, so, like, I can't, I have narcolepsy. Like, I developed it when I used to go to church, church back in the day because all the sermon was so fucking boring, so I slept through every sermon. And then, like, when I went to university, I slept through every lecture because they were also as boring. And then, like, because of this, like, environmental effect of, like, every time someone is boring, talks, I just fall asleep. I fall asleep during a job orientation, and I got fired immediately. Like, seriously, I can't hold a fucking real job, right? Because we're all pieces of shits. Yeah, I never had sex. I, ne I didn't even have sex, seriously. I never had sex. Like, I wa I think I'll be great at sex, though, because I watch a lot of demonstration videos, right? Like, I read all the articles on the subject, right? I know all about the sex, the anal sex, the vaginal sex, and the tentacle sex. Like, ladies, please, we have options, right? I, had, I would admit, like, our porn is way better than the Gen X porn. Like, he was probably masturbating to, like, some Playboy magazine. Like, we, like, I masturbated to a Playboy magazine once, and it was really boring. I was just like, there's so many articles and one picture. It's like, what the fuck is the point of this shit? Like, like we, are, we masturbate to some really deep shit. Like, I don't even masturbate to normal porn now. Like, what I masturbate to is, like, a combination of weirdo hentais and, like, weirdo ASMR where this, this girl just talks dirty to me and I just jerk off to that. It's, it's kind of weird, right? Like, it's not that weird at all. Like, it's not that weird. Like, uh, the next generation is gonna figure out even weirder porn. Like, they're just, they're just gonna be like, you'll masturbate to a screen. Like, I have this robotic sex doll that's in my closet all the time. That's what I'm masturbating to. And the, the Chinese will make that robotic sex doll, so like, you better buy iPhones or else we're gonna, that's not gonna happen, right? So I, I, I have a flash flashlight, obviously I have a flashlight, right? Yeah, because I'm a millennial, I never had sex. Obviously, I have a flashlight, right? But like, don't get a flashlight, it's such a waste of money, right? Like, it's 60 bucks for the flashlight, but like, what they don't tell you is you gotta keep buying lube, or else your dick is gonna fuck up, right? So like, you gotta keep buying lube, which is like 15 bucks a month. So like, a 60 bucks flashlight and like, lube, like, that's just a World of Warcraft s subscription, right? Like, I can't keep buying that shit, right? And then like, 
the thing about flashlight is that like they don't tell you is that every time you use a flashlight it makes this weird squishing noise it's like unplugging a toilet you know like you know <laughs> you you sir you laugh you have a flashlight right yeah. or is that what you call your girlfriend i don't i don't, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> right but like it makes this weird squishing noise and like i live in a small condo so like my walls are like really thin right so like i can't keep using that flashlight or else like my neighbor's gonna be wondering like why am I I'm unclogging a toilet like every single day. It's just like what's going on, right? So I had to get rid of it, right? Because also I live with my parents, so like I don't I don't know where to keep a flashlight. Like seriously, is there like a good hiding spot for a flashlight that doesn't get moldy? Is there is there anything like dildos? How do you girls hide dildos? I don't they don't even need to hide dildo. They own that dildo, but I have to hide a flashlight and it was too much, it was too complicated. So I just threw that flashlight away because I tried to sell it at first, right? I tried to sell a flashlight and then like nobody was buying it on Craigslist. So I'm just like, oh my God, I have to get rid of it. Anyway, that's all I have, thanks a lot. Give it up for Robert Pang of No Bang Theory. Oh man, I never thought I'd feel so sorry for you guys, but after the woes of a millennial, I almost feel too bad to roast you guys a little bit more <laughs> with your stupid fucking workouts, your stupid fucking CrossFit, big for nothing CrossFit. My God, they had this thing that took the place of CrossFit when I was growing up, they were called chores. <laughs> we had chores back then, kept us fit. Yeah, CrossFit, the only reason to do CrossFit is to just do more CrossFit. That's cocaine. See, cocaine went to rehab and came back as a fitness routine. And that's why we have CrossFit today. CrossFit did a movie about themselves. They called themselves the fittest people on earth. But how do you call yourself the best at anything if you're not competing against any black or brown people? More like burning CrossFit. Zing! The reason I, I bring this up, it looks like this next guy does CrossFit. He looks pretty goddamn fit, quite frankly. Give it up for Carl Berger. Keep it going uh, for Matthew. Keep it going for Pam. The, 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 the reason that we're all here right now and this sold out. You guys can sit down. Thank you for the standing ovation. I appreciate that. This packed out room and tens of listener. Uh, is real quick question, is, th is that a trope of millennials that like millennials don't have sex? Is that like a thing that I missed out on? Cause I oh, is it? <laughs> not the Asian women I know, my friend. Uh, <laughs> not the ones that I know. Uh, my name is Carl. I, I've been a millennial for 28 years. Thank you. Um, I don't feel, I don't feel very like aligned with the the millennial folks. I grew up in a small town in rural Maine, and Maine's kind of a weird place. It's like uh, it's like way back. It's like when I graduated high school, people still had frosted tips and Janko jeans. Like, like that truck to J.C. Penney's just got to Maine in 2008. <laughs> we were like, oh, this is sick. This is sick gear. Pearl Jam's awesome, and we missed <laughs> we missed all the cool hip shit. But Maine's Maine's a really funny place. <coughs> I don't know if you guys are even fucking familiar with Maine. Uh, we're all the way on the West Coast. Does anybody know, like, where... Well, you know where it is, but does anybody else know, like, Maine at all? Yeah, okay, a little bit. 
it's like way up in the woods and it's it's a really weird mix between like kind of progressive hippies and like real weird northern rednecks like just my like my folks went there they moved to maine to grow weed but then at the same time like i have a cousin who lives in maine and he like he like shot out all the street lights on his block because he was like i don't like light pollution and it's a waste of power uh, but he did <laughs> but he did that out of his like big diesel truck after smoking pcp all day and it was like uh, it's, a, it's a good point but maybe maybe take it easy on the pcp casey Maine, man it's weird uh i'm an only child too i'm an only child that's like i feel like that's a millennial thing like people used to have big families both my parents come from bigger families only child i don't know what your guys's view of only children are uh is, is there anybody else who's an only child in here oh well, fuck me it's just all right <laughs> my parents just didn't like fucking uh <laughs> they didn't like each other I, i'm always surprised they hated each other they fought so much i'm like how did you guys even like how did you guys stop drinking and yelling at each other to like actually have sex one this is crazy anyway this is for <laughs> i forgot <laughs> i got the i got the therapy uh podcast tomorrow that's what i'll be talking about uh i don't know what you guys think about only ch sorry i got off track only children like i don't know what you guys think about it for me being an only child it just means that i don't fully get uh incest porn like <laughs> i don't fully comprehend the appeal like i'm gonna watch it of course i'm gonna watch it but i just i watch it like i'm watching a woody allen film you know what i mean like i don't get why everybody's talking about it <laughs> like okay i get it he likes new york <laughs> and fucking his daughter <laughs> you know what i mean woody allen he's a monster uh, <laughs> he is. Everybody's like, greatest filmmaker alive. I was like, really? You know? <laughs> fucking, I don't think Scorsese was fucking his kids, but <laughs> it's true. <laughs> what else did I want to talk about? Millennials, we don't, uh, we don't like commitment. We don't commit to anything, right? Like, commitment's tough. You know, we don't commit to uh, jobs. We don't really commit to relationships. We don't commit to finishing uh so i don't <laughs> that was like that was like a wordplay thing you guys are smart I, don't, I had trouble with commitment i i had a breakup last year i say i had a breakup because like it was a mutual thing you know what I'm, t I'm talking about like a mutual breakup where like me and uh, my girlfriend at the time we like sat down we got together hashed it out and we came to the mutual uh agreement that i was a complete asshole uh incapable of loving another human being uh, and i'll probably be alone forever that's how that mutual agreement works out i get it like i do i have a problem i do have a little problem with like uh it's this uh it's this 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 hereditary problem um that 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 limits my like dating abilities it's, it's i'm a man uh <laughs> that's part of it so like i just have to be right about everything uh and i will fight you uh if you disagree with me i will fight you uh it sucks i would get into the dumbest like pettiest arguments toward the end of our relationship for example, my girlfriend, she was like, she wanted to buy a really high-end blender. Oh, the blender material. He well, he walked on the blender material. <laughs> it's getting edgy. If you guys wanted edgy, <laughs> you shouldn't have booked Carl. <laughs> I'm about to talk about blenders. <laughs> uh, yeah, she wanted to buy this high-end blender, which I think is, that's like, that's grounds to break up with somebody anyway you, you don't need to spend five hundred dollars to make like a two dollar smoothie you're never going to get that roi back that's just <laughs> that's bananas she came to me and she's like hey 
I did. <laughs> it's true, right? <laughs> like, why would you spend that much on a fucking you shake up some fruit? I don't know. <laughs> but she came to me and she was like, hey, look, I did all this research and uh, I think I'm going to go with the Vitamix blender. I, I think that that's. Yeah, Pam's like, it's a good blender. <laughs> you fucking right, it's a good blender. <laughs> she goes, I think that's the best blender. I was like, oh, you think that's the best blender? That's cute. Because uh, actually, Blendtec blenders, they're the best blender on the market for both consumer and professional level. Uh, and she was like, well, Vi Vitamix blenders, they spin so fast that they can turn your vegetables into hot soup within minutes. And I was like, that's fucking Bush League, Amber. Uh, Blendtec blenders, not only can they do that, they have a 3.8 horsepower motor and uh, patented nonstick polycarbonate blades that could liquefy an iPhone. And she was like, why would you ever need to liquefy an iPhone? I was like, it's not about needing to liquefy an iPhone. I just want to know that I can liquefy my iPhone. We watched Snowden together. You don't get me. Uh, <laughs> so we broke up. <laughs> we broke up because I'm an asshole. It's, that's what it boiled down to. Uh, and I would never date a psychopath that thinks a Vitamix blender is better than a Blendtec blender. <laughs> I wish that guy stayed for the whole blender bit. He would have been blown away. <laughs> would have been would have been liquefied by my blender material. <laughs> Everything from here on out is just about blenders, guys. So buckle the fuck up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't. I wish I had more. I got. I need to like write just the whole 30 minutes on blenders and. Do some like real, real edgy rooms. It's alt comedy, baby. <laughs> uh, I couldn't even commit to that breakup. We got back together though. <laughs> I couldn't commit. <laughs> I was like, I'm alone. <laughs> but we, when we were broken up, it was like four months. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know how the the older folk in the crowd, how you guys go about dating in this day and age. Probably do it in real life by meeting real people. Uh, <laughs> or I don't know how you have a telephone or like, I don't know, you call people, <laughs> the can on the string and you're like, yeah, I'm trying to get fucked. And then it's like, <laughs> this is your childhood. And then uh, I got on the apps. I got on all the apps, Tinder, Bumble, OkCupid, HelloFresh. Yeah. Don't kink shame me. <laughs> don't kink shame me. I don't, I don't know. I'm experimenting. Like what is a kumquat? I don't know. Is that a sexual command or an overpriced garbage fruit? Let's find out together. <laughs> Let's go on this adventure. I got on the apps, man, and I realized, I realized at least in Portland, it might be the same here in San Francisco. I'm not sure, but in Portland, everybody is, uh, what do they call it, ethically non-monogamous these days. You guys familiar with that phrase, that term, ethically? You're, you're Greek, right? Okay, so you'll get the gist of this, because so that's just polyamory, right? The Greeks, like, they invented that, right? Uh, I'm not wrong. <laughs> Everyone's like, fucking truth bomb. Yeah, they invented that. Uh, polyamory. Is anybody in here polyamorous? No, okay, statistically, that's not true. Statistically, that's inaccurate. Usually how it works out is there's, like, a, a, a straight couple, and the chick's like, no, we're not polyamorous. And the dude's like, well, I mean, she's not, but, you know, I kind of am. And <laughs> that's how that works out. I Polyamory is so funny. It's hip here, right? Pam, I'm not singling you out, but I'm just saying, like, this town's down for that. <laughs> San Francisco's a weird uh, sidebar. San Francisco, I, I, the first time I ever came out here was 2006, and I was visiting my buddy in the Tenderloin. I was walking down the street, and it was the, the only time I ever saw, I was, like, walking by a woman, and she was just smoking crack, and I was like, that's edgy. And then I was, like, I was just walking down the street the other day, and it's just all, it was, like, a woman with a, a, a yoga mat. And I was like, damn, man, San Francisco's really changed. Uh, and then I turned around, and she, like, rolled it out and started smoking crack, and I was like, 
It's like, all right, they still got it. <laughs> they still got it. They still got it. Uh, so polyamory, back to where <laughs> we're polyamory. I, I don't, I can't jive with it really, but I get it. Like, I get the principle. I think polyamory is a lot like communism, right? Like, on paper, fairness and equality, on paper, it should work out for everybody. But once you bring people in the mix, then somebody's going to get run over by a tank. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> an emotional tank, of course. An emotional tank, uh, unless you're dating Michael Dukakis, and then it, you got something to worry about. And I know nobody fucking laughs at that joke because we're all too young, but if you guys, uh, fuck, just go Google Michael Dukakis tank, and that joke is, like, so fucking funny. <laughs> I swear to God, it's so funny. Yeah, <laughs> the one, <laughs> the guy that actually saw it <laughs> happen. Yeah, dude, he would have been, man, we wouldn't have had fucking Bush number one. <laughs> fucking Dukakis, if he didn't get in that tank. Anyway, uh, what were we talking about? Polyamory, the tank. Oh, dating apps, man. Got on there. I matched with this girl, and she had on her profile uh, two columns. It was likes and dislikes. And under the likes column, it was like taking her dog on walks, going to the beach, margaritas with her girls. I was like, I can get down with all that. That sounds like a fun time. It's going to be a fun date. And then I looked over at the dislikes column. It's just one thing. Small dicks. That was it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Small dicks. She just, it, wasn't e it wasn't like genocide or herpes. It was just like the, the one thing in my life I don't want, small dicks. I get it. I mean, nobody likes small dicks. Even dudes with small dicks are like, this sucks. But fuck, I would take, you know, fuck, small dicks over genocide any day. I can <laughs> 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 make that into a T-shirt. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about the font. Uh, <laughs> it would just—it would be like red Comic Sans, probably just irritate people. But I can't—I don't—I don't hate on like women for what they put on their like dating profiles or say online because I know what they get in return. I have female friends, which I know sounds like something who does not have female friends would say. <laughs> but I've seen what they, they receive from dating apps. And if you're like a woman in 2019 and you like don't respond to a dude's message on like Tinder within the first 30 seconds, you just get like a hundred death threats and 30 dick pics like smattered him. Like, like he's just like trying to type out the intro to a Law & Order SVU script on your fucking <laughs> Tinder thing. Uh, I'm going to try this last thing out. Uh, real quick, who here has been in a three-way? Yeah? A couple people? There's no joke to that. I'm just trying to see who the cool people are. <laughs> Thank you guys very much. Give it up for Carl Berger. Carl, I'm so glad you got back together with your blender. I was, I was pacing back there, like, worried about... What was gonna happen? Oh, geez, you guys. I tell you what, man. I, I just can't stop picking on you guys. I can't help it. It's just, you're just, you, you, you just asked to be victims. Like, victimhood is like your number one. And it just reminds me of like Jesse Smollett. You know that guy? Peak millennial guy. He set up his own hate crime and then got busted for it. I mean, they found him through his Uber. Not even smart enough to use a getaway car, man. That's what's wrong with your generation. And they found him with a Subway sandwich. <laughs> like, what is this, some sort of like Instagram cross-promotional thing, like product placement he's doing, like some fucking, and I mean, 
I got to tell you, poor Safeway. They're like, first Jared, now this. Like, we just make sandwiches, guys. Get the fuck, keep us out of the, the news, for fuck's sakes. But I tell you, it is one peak millennial moment, that whole case. I mean, he just achieved peak victimhood. That's like the greatest social achievement you guys could take. If anyone from my generation set up that crime, they would have set themselves up to be the hero. You guys just got it all wrong. <laughs> all backwards. Anyway, hopefully this cat doesn't have it backwards. Give it up for Sonny Dennis. Thank you very much, alcoholic Brian Cranston. That was, uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. You're also great as the dad in Westworld. Uh, I don't know if anyone gets that, but fucking it's dead on. Yeah, I know. It's not very funny, but it's solid. Um, <laughs> Carl, you look like a millennial Luigi who's like, instead of mushroom, just like vape pens he gets, you know? Yeah. By the way, Ro what the fuck, man? You call me on the spot about algebra for no reason? <laughs> like, where's the clitoris at, bro? Uh, yeah. It's not very nice, is it? Oh, boy. Oh, man. What's going on, guys? This has been a great festival. I'm having a fucking blast. Let's hear it from Mutiny Radio. Good times, good times. I, uh, I'm millennial as fuck. It's a problem. I gotta, like, tone it down sometimes. Like, uh, here's the difference between Gen X and millennials. Gen X didn't follow their dreams. They were told not to. Whereas millennials, everyone was told to follow their dreams. <laughs> which is a problem, because not everyone has good dreams, right? <laughs> this is true. I can, I, can, I, can, I can explain because I'm one of those kids, okay? When I was 11 years old, you know what my dream was? To be the first child on the MTV show Jackass. <laughs> I see five guys shitting in a hot tub. I'm like, you know what's missing from this? An 11-year-old boy! <laughs> and I could be him! Yeah. It was weird because like there was kids at my school that were like, you know, playing basketball every day because they wanted to go to the NBA, you know? And I'm like stapling my nuts to a hockey stick. It was a weird... <laughs> My dad was all upset. He's like, if you keep doing this shit, you're going to be in a porta potty And I'm like, really? You mean it? You think so? Because I want to get pushed over in them. That's the, uh, that's the goal here. Uh, what else? What else is about millennial of me? Do, do. Oh, you know what the other dream I had was? To be on a game show, okay? But not even to win a game show, just to be on it. <laughs> Specifically, Slime Time Live. <laughs> you guys familiar? Yeah. I didn't. That's such an achievable dream. I could have done that, and I didn't, which makes me feel like a bigger failure in life, you know? But I realized Slime Time Live went off the air a while ago, and Nickelodeon doesn't slime people as much anymore. They don't slime at all, which is weird, right? You'd think that there'd be a reason for it. So I'm waiting for like an infomercial at two in the morning to come on, and it's like, if you were slimed into the 2000s now of mesothelioma, <laughs> please call the law offices of James Sokoloff. You could be entitled to a free trip to Orlando, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, like, uh, what's the guy that hosted Double Dare? Like, Mark Summers? He's on trial for poisoning thousands of children, and he's like, I had no idea the information wasn't available! And the judge is like, well, Mark, you can be 30 years in prison, or take a physical challenge! Yeah. Me, 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 mesothelioma, yeah. Oh, man. What the fuck was up with Gak? Do you guys remember Gak? Nickelodeon Gak? It was not a toy, it was just a little pile of placenta that you've, <laughs> you didn't play with it, you just made fart noises and ruined your dad's carpet, you know? <laughs> I want a toy that smells like burning plastic and makes my parents hate me. Yeah. Thanks, Nickelodeon. Oh, boy. 
what else? I got, I got, you know what's millennial? 90s movies. And I love talking about those. Yeah, I'm sure you guys have heard some of these, but I'm going to do them anyway. All right. Uh, <laughs> did you know that they made four Free Willy movies? Four Free Willy movies. Yeah. You know what you have to call that fourth one? A very obtainable whale. All right. <laughs> Like, by the third movie, you earned the whale. You can keep the whale. There's more fish in the sea. We'll be okay, right? And it's like, for there to be a fourth Free Willy movie, people have to watch the third Free Willy movie, you know? So I just want to know who's at home, like, damn, Willy got captured again? <laughs> well, of course we're going to see it. What if he doesn't get free, you know? <laughs> Which would be a much better movie, in all honesty, right? Free Willy 5, The Cove. Yeah. Starring Michael Vick. Uh, it'd be great. It'd be a lot of fun. And like 40 Japanese guys, right? We want diversity in Hollywood, and we're going to get it one way or another. Uh, let's talk about Airbud. You guys fuck with Airbud? No? The golden retriever with a heart of gold? Come on! Man, what couldn't that fucking dog do? He's like running for Senate and like doing drone strikes, you know? There's nothing in the laws as a dog can't drone strike. Yeah, that whole thing. I, uh, I don't think there was ever a script by the fourth or fifth movie. It's like two guys in a room like, do you just want to see a dog in rollerblades? <laughs> Inline canine. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, does anyone know what year Turner, or who, Turner and Hooch came out? Off the top, is that, would that be a your generation movie or a my generation movie? Mine. That's your guys? Yeah. Fuck. All right, well, I'm going to talk about it anyway, okay? Uh, so you guys do, uh, any, any hallucinogenic takers in the crowd? All right, so the best way to do hallucinogens, I've realized, is with somebody you love, okay? The couples that trip together stick together. This is true. Now, uh, my fiance is not, I'm a little more on the, the other side of the tracks than she is. She's a good person, Asian, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not that. I'm into doing grimy shit, okay? So I'm good at being on hallucinogenic drugs. I'm good on being on acid. She's not as good as me, okay? So we have to plan out our trips, you know what I mean? Like whenever we do uh, acid, we always do a cheese platter because that's classy as fuck, right? You guys ever been on acid and had a cheese platter? It's some next level shit, okay? <laughs> Fucking Pink Floyd and prosciutto, it's a good time. Um, but we do the cheese platter, and then we find a movie to just have on in the background, you know what I mean? And you know what's always a good movie? Some like, you know, late 80s, early 90s, have been on in the back kind of a thing. And I thought a good movie to have on would be one with a dog, Turner and Hooch, right? Tom Hanks and a big dog for an hour and 45 minutes. And. Uh, <laughs> It was like as late 80s, early 90s as it could get, because he's, uh, he's a detective, not a cop. He's a detective. <laughs> Takes place in Chicago or New York. That was the only place movies happened back then. <laughs> and it's not even a fucking movie. It's just like, look how big this dog is. Look at him tear up my apartment and my office and my cop car. But it's perfect for our, for our acid trip. You know, we're having a blast, okay? And then it takes a big south turn with like 10 minutes to go, okay? Because they find the guy that killed Hooch's owner, and uh, then they take Tom Hanks hostage, and they take the dog hostage. And then right now, my, my fiance is getting like, she's getting all antsy, she's tripping, and she's like, what's going on? You didn't say this was going to be this type of a movie. And I'm like, sweetie pie, it's a 90s movie. They're not going to kill the dog. They never kill the dog, okay? And that's genuinely what I believed, okay? And it keeps kind of going on, and like, Tom Hanks moves out of the way, and then Hooch jumps up to get the bad guy, bites him, and I'm like, yeah, see, Hooch has got it. And then Hooch gets shot. Okay? And I'm like, oh, maybe it grazed him. And there's a close-up of dog fur and a bullet coming out the other side. 
So I can't, you know, oh, movie magic. She's freaking out. She's not having a good trip, okay? And I'm like, sweetie, it's gonna be fine. It's the 90s, they don't kill dogs, okay? That's like, that's like 50s and 60s shit. You know what I mean? Rinton, Tin, Old Yeller, all that old stuff. But uh, also, Tom Hanks' love interest in the movie is a veterinarian. So I'm like, this makes perfect sense. You know, bring them to the girl and they're gonna say, that's what happens. They rush Hooch to the veterinarian and then Hooch just dies. <laughs> and they're like, oh, but Hooch had puppies, so it's okay. And Tom Hanks gets the puppy. It's like, no, fuck that, because she's sobbing, okay? <laughs> Not because Hooch died, but because she trusted me, okay? <laughs> I know. Uh, we're getting married next year, so. <laughs> Let's hope it goes better than that movie experience did. Oh man, you guys like drugs? That's a cool, that's a big millennial thing. You know what's weird? I mean like hallucinogens I feel are more of like the, the new gen, like the Silicon Valley kids and then like cocaine, which is my other favorite drug is more of like the Gen X drug. What's your jam? Wheat. Wheat? Really, if you had to choose between a good mushroom trip and a good cocaine binge, what would it be? Okay, I like your style. Uh, you see, the, I know for, that's better for me, honestly, but man, I like cocaine. Like, cocaine's great. I accidentally became a cocaine dealer when I was uh, 18. <laughs> it's very, that's the thing everyone's like, oh, what's it like growing up in Hawaii? I'm like, it's pretty fucking weird sometimes. Like, shit, <laughs> shit happens, okay? Let me paint a picture for you, okay? The year was 2010. Hannah Montana was still Miley Cyrus, you know? <laughs> Lil Wayne was the greatest rapper alive. Shit was different, okay? Now I had just gotten accepted to Maui Community College because as they told me, you will get $5,000 from the government, okay? It was called the Pell Grant, or as I call it, the hell yeah <laughs> It's not a lot of money to you guys, but it is to me and my very low expectation of living, okay? First thing I did, bought a truck for $800. Then I went to the local dormitories, paid a year rent right away. Yeah, because these dorms also doubled as low income housing for the public. That's true. When you're trying to earn a degree, you can share a bunk bed with a 40-year-old man trying to get his kids back. <laughs> it's crazy. They had, they had like a rec room, and like half of it would be like, all right, we're having movie night, and it's Shrek 3. And then the other half of the rec room would be like, all right, we're having a Narcotics Anonymous meeting tonight. So nice mix of people. Uh, I hit the jackpot, though, okay? Because I got roomed up with two 40-year-old uh, people, the guys that got out of prison recently. And you guys are like, that's not good. But it is, because I grew up white in Hawaii. So this is my chance to be cool with Hawaiians. You know what I mean? Because like they don't, man, they, they call us howlies. They do not, understandably, okay? Because uh, historically speaking, white people are like Willem Dafoe. I don't know what the role is or what the movie is. Pretty sure he's the bad guy, though, okay? <laughs> and that's what it was like in Hawaii. They're like, you're howly, fuck you, you know? But 